0: Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com explained. Upfront payment of $45 required equivalent to $15 a month. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
1: Hey Jimbo, I'm going to heat up some pasta just in case, okay? You need your energy.
2: It's not every day a war ends, and on Monday, the longest war in the history of the United States ended, at least in terms of U.S. troops on the ground in Afghanistan.
1: When I was running for president, I made a commitment to the American people that I would end this war. Today, I've honored that commitment.
2: Something like 120,000 people, mostly Afghans, were evacuated from the country over the past few weeks. No
1: country in history has done more to airlift out the residents of another country than we
2: have done. But what happens to them now? We asked Vox's Nicole Nerea.
3: So the Afghans who worked alongside U.S. forces and Afghan refugees have a long road ahead before they can make a safe and stable life somewhere else. And at this point, the U.S. immigration system is kind of making that harder.
2: And as we established on the show last week, and as many people probably know, these Afghan refugees are flying to military bases across the world. They're flying to Germany. They're flying to all sorts of places. Where are they all going to end up?
3: Eventually, they're supposed to be ending up at army bases in the U.S., and then they'll be transferred to locations across the country that will be their final destinations where they'll settle. But. I think at this point, it's pretty much an open question as to how long it takes those people to get there. And in terms of people who weren't evacuated by the U.S. or coalition forces and who have fled the country on their own, you know, some of those people may be languishing in neighboring countries like Iran and Pakistan and Turkey for a long time.
1: Video obtained by CBS News shows hundreds of evacuees waiting in a hangar at Al-Udeid Air Base in Doha. Several of them describe conditions as hot crowded and dirty. With thousands of at-risk Afghans and American citizens flooding in so fast, the US is searching for other countries to send people for screening.
2: So, we have no idea right now how many of these 100,000 plus refugees are meant to sort of settle here in the United States and how many are meant to be settled elsewhere.
3: It's very much of a moving target at this point and I think a lot of it will depend on U.S. policy and and also the policy of, you know, European leaders who have already said that they're not really interested in taking in as many Afghans as they did, you know, in 2015, where there was a major refugee crisis with Syria. So these Afghans at this point don't really have a destination.
2: Well, let's talk about U.S. policy since a lot of this will depend on U.S. policy. What are the next steps for the majority of these refugees who are coming to the United States?
3: We're talking about two major groups of people here, and it's worth making that distinction. There's Afghans who will receive a special immigrant visa or an SIV. Those are Afghans who work directly with the U.S. government, many as interpreters for the U.S. military. But then there's this other group, everyone else, who might be at risk of reprisal from the Taliban but aren't eligible for the SIV program. And it's not clear at this point how many of those people have been evacuated or have fled to third countries on their own.
2: Okay, well, let's talk about the SIVs first. These are visas that are given to people who have helped the United States in its 20-year war in Afghanistan. Do we know how many people have or are trying to get those visas right now?
3: So about 20,000 people are in the SIV application pipeline. But if you also count their spouses and children, it's about 88,000 people by some estimates. Wow. It's not clear at this point how many of them are currently waiting abroad for more processing. But there are concerns that they could remain there for months before being transferred to the U.S., there's basically a, a huge backlog in SIV application processing that was sort of brought on by the Trump administration who actively stonewalled the program.
1: Because when I was there in the White House working on these issues, it was nothing but increasing restrictions on immigration and restricting, restricting refugee admissions. These offices with resources that were gutted
3: during the Trump administration, where many of us who actually— The Biden administration so far has only been able to process about 5,000 of them since he took office. But uh, the U.S. has started to allow some of them to come to the U.S. before they're issued a visa through what is called parole, which is kind of temporary permission to enter the U.S. But they still have to undergo a background check beforehand.
2: And we heard from an Afghan interpreter who did make it to the United States a few weeks ago on the show.
3: My work put my entire family in danger.
2: And that was the time that I decided to leave. My family is still in danger. He explained how difficult it was to get that SIV approved. He did mention that Congress was trying to expedite that process, but it's it's still kind of tough. Has that changed at all in the past few weeks?
3: Not particularly. So the Biden administration is surging resources towards processing these visas and getting SAVs screened for security purposes so that they can be brought to the U.S. to complete like their application process. But it's still a really arduous process. And at this point, the only real solution is to bring those people to the U.S. on parole uh, so that they can continue processing here rather than languishing abroad for months on end.
2: And another big issue our interpreter guest told us about was that a lot of interpreters couldn't even get to Kabul to get to the airport, to get processed, to leave the country. Do we have any idea how many people who were in the SIV pipeline didn't make it out of Afghanistan at this point?
3: Yeah, we really don't know at this point. We know that 117,000 people or so have been evacuated, but the U.S. government hasn't broken down the numbers of exactly who those people are. You know, it could be U.S. citizens, permanent residents, Afghan SIVs, and other vulnerable groups. But as of last week, officials said that fewer than half of the then 100,000 evacuees were SIV holders.
2: And I guess we have no idea what will happen to those who didn't make it out.
3: Yeah, and, and I think that's sort of a point of criticism uh, for the Biden administration in terms of not trying to get those people out sooner.
0: We've worked intensely to evacuate and relocate Afghans who worked alongside us and are at particular risk of reprisal. We've gotten many out, but many are still there. We will keep working to help them. Our commitment to them has no deadline.
2: Let's talk about the other huge group of refugees, the ones who don't have SIVs or aren't eligible for SIVs.
3: Yeah, so there there are other routes for people to get to the United States. There's a program called the P2 program, which is for people who worked for a U.S. government-funded program, U.S.-based media or NGOs. They have to be referred by a U.S.-based employer in order to apply. But with that program, which is part of the U.S. refugee program, you kind of run into the issue of the kind of cuts that we've seen in recent years to the number of refugees that we take in. You might remember that under Trump, the refugee cap was cut from over 100,000 to just 15,000 last year, which is a historic low. Biden will turn Minnesota into a refugee camp, and he said that. Overwhelming public resources, overcrowding schools, and inundating your hospitals. You know that. It's already there. It's a disgrace what they've done to the U.S. state. When Biden took office, he initially refused to raise the refugee cap, saying that it would be impossible for U.S. refugee agencies to actually resettle anywhere close to the maximum number of refugees.
1: Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called the decision completely and utterly unacceptable, saying Biden promised to welcome immigrants and people voted for him based on that promise.
3: After he took some flack for that, he eventually raised the cap to 62,500 this year, which is still below what he promised on the campaign trail. And that number really matters because it impacts not only the number of people who can get refugee status, but also funding for programs for refugees, you know, refugee resettlement agencies depend on that number in order f- to get federal funding. And, you know, they've really been decimated over the last four years. More than 100 resettlement offices closed under Trump and, and a lot of people were laid off. So they're really at this point in the process of rebuilding.
2: What more could President Biden be doing to help these refugees?
3: Biden has said that he'll raise the refugee cap up from 6500 this year to 125,000, and, and that could happen in the fall. But that's something that we're waiting on um, in September or October. And another thing we'll be watching is is whether he allows private groups in the U.S., like nonprofits, to sponsor the resettlement of refugees. And, and that could potentially free up more spots for Afghans.
2: But I'm guessing some people won't like it if he does that.
3: Yeah, so while Biden is receiving a lot of heat on the left for not taking in more Afghan refugees and SAVs. You have to also remember that he's facing opposition now from Republicans who have been raising concerns about letting in tens of thousands of of Afghans in the aftermath of all this.
0: So it was not surprising to see the ex-president demonize these Afghan allies in a statement yesterday saying, how many thousands of terrorists have been airlifted out of Afghanistan and into neighborhoods around the world? How many terrorists will Joe Biden bring into America? Is it really our responsibility to welcome thousands of potentially unvetted refugees from Afghanistan. We will see many refugees from Afghanistan resettle in our country in coming months, probably in your neighborhood. And over the next decade, that number may swell to the millions. So first we invade and then we're invaded. It is always the same. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash explained. Upfront payment of $45 required. Equivalent to $15 a month. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Mom, the vacuum! The vacuum! You never call. That's because I live here, Mom. (laughs)
2: and help you stress less and sell more. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash explained. Go to shopify.com slash explained now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash explained. Nicole, let's talk a bit about the politics of resettling Afghan refugees. The United States was in this country for 20 years waging war, left in a bit of a hurry. Things were falling apart. You would think the whole country would be open to resettling the people who helped the United States out in its 20-year war. Not completely the case.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting here that public opinion polling has shown that there is broad support across the political spectrum for resettling SIVs in the US, 90% of Democrats and 76% of Republicans. And in the cities where these Afghans would likely be resettled, attitudes towards refugees are generally pretty welcoming and uh, most of them are Democrats. So to the extent that Republicans are trying to make this an issue, it's it's not really in touch with what the public is saying. That said, you know, early on, you saw Republicans especially trying to sort of score political points off of Biden by criticizing how he was handling the evacuations of our Afghan allies.
0: Uh, you'd have to conclude these guys couldn't organize a two-car funeral.
3: But recently, there have kind of been rumblings that Republicans won't be as interested in taking in Afghans. And the White House has sort of been responding to that by expectation setting around how many Afghans the U.S. can absorb.
2: What we are trying to do is get our muscles working again, uh, both in our systems and the incredible refugee groups that are working on welcoming refugees from around the country and working on getting our vetting processes and systems around the world that that need to be in good shape in order to
1: welcome refugees to get as many as we can. Uh, But I have not had a conversation with him about raising the
3: cap beyond the 125. As you said, I'm happy to...
2: What's the precedent for this kind of thing? I mean, this isn't the United States' first rodeo.
3: Yeah, so the U.S. has completed these kinds of mass evacuations and resettlement of refugees before. We did it after the Vietnam War in 1975. I'm convinced that the vast majority of
1: Americans today want these people to have another opportunity to escape the
3: probability of death. The U.S. also evacuated Kurds from northern Iraq in
0: 1996. They knew when they... uh signed up to work for the U.S. government, that in fact, if it should come to a situation where their uh, their lives were uh, in jeopardy because the security situation deteriorated, that uh, they would probably need to evacuate. So their lives and the lives of their family members are in fact
3: threatened at this time, and for their own personal safety, uh, it's prudent to get them out of the country. Then ethnic Albanians from Kosovo in 1999, and those people actually came directly to the mainland U.S., But the last time the U.S. kind of pledged to take in large amounts of refugees was in 2015, after the Syria crisis.
0: The president has directed his team to consider how we can further scale up our response. Uh, And uh, one thing that the United States can do uh, is to uh, begin to admit more Syrian refugees into the United States.
3: President Obama wanted to resettle around 10,000 Syrian refugees, but he faced huge blowback from the GOP, especially Republican governors. Hmm. There were more than 30 Republican governors that said that they wouldn't take in Syrian refugees in their states. And it was actually something that then presidential candidate Donald Trump latched onto on the campaign trail. And it became a, a major campaign issue in 2016. And he was kind of playing into the false rumors about Syrians being behind the Paris terror attacks. They're being put all over the country just like they want to be. And who knows? You know, we talk about Trojan horse. We talk about Trojan horse.
1: And maybe it's a Trojan horse, and maybe it's not.
3: You know, the comparison isn't isn't really perfect to the current situation. In the case of Afghanistan, you have a lot of people who work directly for the U.S. military or U.S. organizations, and that's obviously a group that's largely perceived as sympathetic. And that might not have been the case with these sort of Syrian refugees, but— Um, It does sort of show how in recent years the refugee program has become so politicized, even though there once was really a huge bipartisan consensus on this.
2: Well, One of the Republican talking points I've seen advanced by people like Stephen Miller is that we just sort of like opened the floodgates. How do we even know that these are the people who helped the United States?
0: Have we forgotten so quickly? That
2: the 9-11 terrorists were granted visas by our State Department? Does that argument have any legitimacy?
3: So I think underlying that argument is this assumption on the part of Republicans that these refugees aren't being vetted, and that's just not the case. They have to undergo extensive security screening before they're allowed to come to the U.S. But sort of on the broader question here in terms of like whether the U.S. should be allowing people who didn't directly help U.S. forces. I think there is sort of an argument to be made that the U.S. has a responsibility not only to take in those people, but also people who are directly harmed by the U.S.'s decision to withdraw. And, you know, that might include women's rights activists, LGBTQ activists, and others who who are sort of made vulnerable by the situation. So, um, you know, I think there's just sort of a a difference in, in philosophy there among Republicans and Democrats in that respect.
2: Okay, so that argument doesn't have the most legitimacy. Are there others that Republicans are making that do? What else are they saying?
3: So I think they're also just trying to sort of make a racist appeal to people who want to maintain a white European majority population in the U.S. as they sort of fear the diversification of the country. Is the
0: mass migration of Afghan men to America really a good idea Good for your wife, your daughter? The left will call us racist for opposing any amount of migration at all since they believe in open borders. But we have to be brave enough to put up with their ridiculous aspersions and brave enough to discuss cultural differences that matter.
3: I think there's just this, like, concern that Afghans won't be able to assimilate. And, like, there are programs set up to help them do that and to get them self-sufficient within six months of arriving in the U.S. So, yeah, I, I just don't think there's really any legitimate arguments coming from the GOP on this.
2: Okay, so we're not exactly rolling out the red carpet as a country, but these refugees are still coming. What's life like when they get here?
3: I mean, certainly like the communities where these people are eventually going to end up will be welcoming and, you know, have committed to taking in Afghan refugees. But the refugee resettlement program in the U.S. just generally is, is facing challenges that we've already touched on. It's been harder to resettle people during the pandemic, but there's also just a resource problem here. Refugee resettlement agencies are rebuilding after Trump, and they're also due to a nationwide affordable housing shortage, having difficulty finding accommodations for these Afghans. So there's just a lot of programs and and issues that go into getting these people on their feet in in the U.S., and they're unfortunately at this point under-resourced.
2: So if an Afghan refugee makes it into the United States, he or she will face innumerable challenges, but that's if they even legitimately make it in.
3: Yeah, and at this point, you know, it's really not clear how long they might have to wait abroad before they're allowed in. Um, So it could be a very long wait.
2: Nicole Narea reports on immigration at Vox. You can find her reporting at vox.com. Today's episode was produced by Will Reed with help from Amina al Sadi. I'm Sean him. This is Today Explained.
1: And here we are still paying for Jimbo's bill.
0: What are you doing in here? This is my room. Uh,
1: nothing. Nothing. I'm doing nothing. Wait a minute. Are you recording? you Are you recording? Uh, I'm almost done. Just, just let me finish. I'm on a roll. Okay. To get your new wireless plan for just fifteen bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash explained. Upfront payment of forty five dollars required equivalent to fifteen dollars a month. Right, that's fifteen times three. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Woo woo
0: (laughs) Okay, that was actually pretty good.